Endurance Defined by Endo Podcast with your host and endometriosis warrior, Teniola Ogunro. Created for and dedicated to women who have been diagnosed with endometriosis or who suffer from symptoms that they suspect to be caused by endometriosis. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for a weekly dose on everything endo. If you find this podcast inspiring, please share with your friends and family. Let's spread the word and inspire and empower women all over the world. Please note that I am not a medical professional. So whatever I share on this podcast is to raise awareness and inspire. Please always speak to your medical professional before making any major changes to your diet or lifestyle. With that said, let's get right to it. Endometriosis is a beast. With it comes lots of challenges, a major one being infertility. One in four pregnancies result in miscarriage and one in eight women struggle with fertility. But up to 40 to 50% of women with endometriosis struggle with fertility. That's one in two. While the statistics look grim, we must do all in our power to improve our chances, even with endometriosis. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Haley and Christine, a nutritional therapy practitioner. Haley and Christine both founded Tiny Feet with the aim to help women with their fertility struggles and help them realize their dream of a healthy life and a healthy baby. They provide online courses, consultations, advice on functional testing and supplements, and so on. I'm curious to hear what they've got to share with us today. So sit back, relax, and let's have a listen. So good to speak to you today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting us. I think I've been following your Instagram for a while, and then I just saw some of the things you shared, and I found it really interesting. And I thought that many of our endo sisters, we struggle a lot with fertility issues. And um, even for those of us that are not yet trying or not yet going through that, there's that fear in many of us that this might be a problem when it's time. So I thought it would be good to speak to experts in the matter <laughs> and um, get your views on things, learn from you and even begin to implement um, some of the strategies you've got to share um, so that we can at least even be while you're preparing for your fertility or whatever for your kids or whatever you know what the right things to do are. So that was why I reached out to you and I'm so happy you said yes. <laughs> oh, of course, this is great. Yeah. Um, love sharing whatever we can to help other women in this space because there's definitely uh, a lot of opportunities, a lot of different conditions and issues that can come up. So yeah, we're happy to be here. Yeah. yeah thank you. And, yeah. Endometriosis is definitely one of the top conditions that can be, um, that can affect fertility for sure. So I appreciate that you're getting into the realm of educating uh, women with this condition as well. So that's exciting. Thank you so much. So let's begin. Yeah, great. Yeah. So um, can you tell us a bit about yourselves and what led you to this point, to this right now? 
Yeah. Well, so I, this is Haley, and I'm a naturopathic doctor. And how I got to this specific point is um, back when I was 19 years old, I had a cyst on my ovary that um, at one point became excruciatingly painful and landed me in the hospital and found out soon after I was there that it twisted my uh, ovary, my right ovary, and uh, killed it off. So I had to be rushed into emergency surgery and they removed my, my ovary and that shined a pretty big light on my fertility journey just at 19 years old. Um, very curious how that was going to affect my ability to get pregnant. Um, there's very little that I knew at the time of 19 years old of like how my menstrual cycle works and how uh, follicles grow and are ovulating. You know, you just don't really learn that until you are curious about it when you're trying to have a baby. So uh, I got really curious about it pretty quickly. And then that catapulted me into being more interested in nutrition and holistic health and how I could take care of my fertility. And um, I ended up at uh, naturopathic medical school uh, about 10 years later and took a little winding road to get there, but finally ended up there. And while I was in naturopathic medical school, I was learning a lot about preconception care and how epigenetics are really affected during that first couple weeks of conception and how that can affect the long-term health of that child way far into adulthood and even multiple generations. And that was just extremely fascinating to me. So I was able to marry my passion for fertility and then, uh, or with the preconception care concept and research and, um, and Kristen and I met about three years after I graduated and here we are now a year later <laughs> yep lovely partnership, yeah. isn't it <laughs> yeah it really has been um so my journey to working in this field um is similar i mean i have personal experiences mine are mostly centered around my health i just grew up as a very ill kind of sickly child lots of chronic health conditions lots of digestive issues um, allergic responses, immune system problems. And then as I got older, that kind of spiraled into things like joint pain and severe debilitating anxiety and panic disorder and things that were disrupting my very type A, very driven lifestyle. So when I was in business school, it finally just kind of got out of control, like to the point where I was scared to go anywhere. Um, I was in the process of getting a job with a tech company as a financial analyst. And I was concerned about how my anxiety was going to impact my ability to do my job. And I had been to the doctor a bunch of times and I just wasn't getting the answers that I needed to get better other than just them giving me medication, which didn't help me. And so nutrition was kind of a last ditch effort to figure something out for myself that would help me. Yeah. And so when I started changing my diet and started getting better, that just made me so passionate about discovering more about how to help myself, but then turning that into a career to help others. So I decided to, while I was still working full-time as an analyst, I decided to pursue nutrition education through the Nutritional Therapy Association. So I got my certification while I was still working full-time. And then as soon as I had that in my hand, I just couldn't imagine doing anything else. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to jump off the cliff and quit my job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, then the, that first year was kind of a little bit of a whirlwind because my husband was diagnosed with cancer and there was a whole bunch of things that happened. But ultimately, that led me to a place where I was really 
convinced that I wanted to help people um, with fertility. My husband and I had been trying for two years when I was like, okay, my health is really the the barrier here to not being able to conceive. And um, so just the combination of being sick as a kid and then not being able to get pregnant, I was just like, you know, there has to be a better way to address this. And I know a lot of people are going through this and they're raising sick kids and they're having trouble getting pregnant themselves. So, you know, when can we intervene to make this better and how can I help? And so kind of getting in there in the preconception phase and either helping people with fertility or just prepare to have healthier pregnancies. I got really passionate about that. And just about as soon as I created my website to be fertility focused, Haley found me online and we happened to be in the same place doing yeah with similar passions and so that's it just grew from there yeah that's awesome because when you have a partner and you have the same goals and same vision then it it kind of is easier when you're you're with someone that is on the same path as you so yeah that's fate (laughs) yeah it definitely was yeah so for you Haley, what exactly is naturopathic medicine and um what what does it entail exactly yeah i love this question um Naturopathic medicine, when I even hear those words, it gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart. Um, It's basically taking the body and looking looking at the body as a whole. And in taking into account the um, body, mind, and spirit as well. So it's a a bit of little uh, spiritual medicine too. And it it's based off of six therapeutic principles. And uh, just a couple of those principles is doctor is teacher. So really empowering our, our patients to heal themselves, um, giving them the tools to be able to do that. Also removing obstacles to cure. Uh, we really believe in this idea uh, that the body innately wants to be well and it innately can heal itself if given the right tools. Um, And so part of a naturopathic doctor's job is to discover what the body needs or doesn't need a lot of the times and um, facilitate that healing for the body. Um, We believe in the power of nature. So um, using a lot of herbal, herbal remedies, botanical medicine, homeopathy, um, using just structural healing too. So we're taught chiropractic medicine and a lot of naturopaths are also taught acupuncture. So we're kind of a jack of all trades. It's really interesting how uh, we are taught the biomedical science and you know anatomy and physiology and all the uh, everything that you need to diagnose and treat kind of on a conventional basis, but then we also have all these modalities that are set in um, more of a holistic, natural approach. Okay, that's interesting because um, many of our followers have endometriosis and other chronic illnesses, and they really struggle um, because most of the time it seems like doctors just want to treat with medicine and surgery. But Mm -hmm. we know that it takes a lot more than that. It takes, you know, lifestyle change, nutrition, and like you said, all the different modalities to help yourself and heal yourself. So Mm -hmm. I agree that it's really important and it's, you you are vital to many of us lives. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And um, Christine, in terms of nutrition, um, how would you say it affects fertility i'm going ahead of myself at this point but i just want to know a bit more about nutrition and its impact on fertility 
Nutrition has everything to do with fertility. I mean, it's, it's the way that we deliver nutrients to the body and it's, yeah. it's responsible for building our hormones and making sure that, um, you know, we have the nutrients in place to actually build a human from scratch. You know, it's a very nutrient intensive process and the menstrual cycle, um, requires a lot of nutrients in order to work properly and, you know, to build those hormones and all the things that we need to have optimal fertility. So nutrition is really central to the story. It's also really central. Like what we're ingesting is affecting things like our gut health and our immune systems and how well those are able to work and how well we're able to, um, you know, just to, to build, build the right things in the body to support all of the things that, that support our fertility. So nutrition is really kind of the backbone of a lot of what we do together. Um, it's along with lifestyle and along with natural therapies, it's, it's really the first thing we look at. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what nutrients are usually necessary for like a healthy pregnancy and baby? And what supplements would you recommend? How do we begin to take the right steps, get the right nutrients into ourselves so that we can prepare our body for um, fertility? Yeah, good question. So all of them, <laughs> all of them are important. No, um, we, we do have some really specific ones that we go over. We actually have a free course on how to choose the best, best prenatal supplements. And we go over the nutrients um, that we recommend. So a prenatal vitamin that's fairly comprehensive. You know, we're talking about things like active forms of B vitamins, active forms of folate, not folic acid, um, fat soluble vitamins, vitamin D is really important, making sure that you're getting enough of that. Another really underappreciated one is choline, which um, I think 94% of women in the U.S. are deficient mm-hmm. in choline. They're just not getting enough. Um, the primary dietary sources are like eggs and liver, and just a lot of people aren't getting those in. We've been told forever that eggs are bad for us, and nobody eats organ meats anymore. So, um, yeah, we're missing out on stuff like that. And then there's lots of minerals. You know, we need things like calcium and zinc and magnesium. Iron is super important. So um, the way that we go about kind of getting those in is number one, having a really good diet in place that's very nutrient dense and focused on like unprocessed whole fresh foods. And then starting a prenatal supplement routine that includes all of those basics at least three months before, ideally six months to a year before pregnancy. I would also say too, there's a, a big misconception around um, getting enough through diet. So, you know, many of my patients will say, oh, I have a great diet. I'm eating healthy, which first of all, I'd like to say is very subjective because there is no one clear, great diet, right? Everybody has their own opinion on what is great. So my patients, I really have to clarify like, okay, exactly. What are you eating? And I'll be the judge. (laughs) It's great or not. And then also, um, doing a lot of this research on the optimal amounts of nutrition before pregnancy and during pregnancy, I really was astounded about how much we're just not getting those nutrients from food. So I did my own experiment and did a food log um, on myself and I eat fairly healthy, I would say more than the general population. And, um, I still wasn't hitting my numbers for like vitamin A and, and calcium and some of the daily recommended intake, um, that we're supposed to be getting again on a daily, daily basis just isn't being hit even with a healthy diet. So Kristen and I always say that we, uh, should 
always have a healthy whole foods diet, like she's mentioned, but then the supplements are really the insurance policy to just make sure that all those gaps on a day-to-day basis are covered. And you do that for your, for your future child, like do it for them. If not for you, like it's for them because that's their, that's their resources. That's how they're going to grow. And if there's any gaps in that, you know, you're putting them at risk. And there's lots of things that deplete nutrients. Like our modern lifestyle, I think, increases Mm -hmm. our demand for nutrients. So taking certain medications, you know, in the endometriosis community, it's very common for women to be on birth control long-term to manage symptoms. Birth control depletes a lot of the essential nutrients. And so making sure that you're supplementing because your demand is higher for those things. Mm -hmm. So even if you're- Not only that, but aspirin, ibuprofen, Motrin, all the NSAIDs that you're taking on on a monthly basis, those deplete nutrients too. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and apart from that, would you say maybe the process of cooking food, does it have anything to do with the fact that we're not getting enough nutrients? Because sometimes, for example, people say, oh, don't cook kale and broccoli, just steam it. <laughs> and some say, don't like almost steam it for like two minutes and take it out quickly because all the nutrients are dying. So is that part of the problem? What do you think, Kristen? So there are actually some foods and even like raw vegetables that benefit from cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a mix of cooked and raw is important as long as you can tolerate raw vegetables. Not everybody digests those super well. Um, um, but, you know, if you're able to tolerate both raw and cooked, there are certain nutrients that are enhanced by cooking and certain nutrients that you get more of by eating raw. So I think it's really variety in the diet and getting both cooked and raw that's most important for nutrient yeah. absorption. Okay. So you use a holistic approach towards healing and fertility. And like you said earlier, you use nutrition, lifestyle, individualized care, and functional lab testing. So I'd like to know more about the lab testing, what kinds of tests are done and what are the functions of those tests? Yeah, uh, we usually recommend some basic lab work if you haven't had it done, uh, just to see where your nutrient status is and make sure that there's nothing major going on. And part of that basic lab work is always a ferritin to see where your iron levels are. Uh, It's really common for pregnant women to go into iron deficiency anemia. Right. And um, if you if that happens while you're pregnant, you have to start taking a lot of iron. It can cause a lot of nausea and make you constipated. It's just a miserable thing. Yeah. So you really, you really just want to make sure that you have enough iron stored up before pregnancy. And if you're a heavy bleeder and uh, you know end up having a short cycle, which is common in endometriosis, it's common for uh, women with endometriosis to be low in iron. So uh, that's definitely something to check. The other one that we absolutely love to check and is a must is your vitamin D levels, Um, especially when you have chronic inflammation, your vitamin D levels are usually low and you want to have that up between the 50 and 70 range. Of course, that's a U.S. number (laughs) and um, Mm -hmm. it's nanomoles per milliliter. Nanograms per milliliter. Nanograms (laughs) per milliliter in the US. And then it's between like 100 and 200 nanomoles per liter. Kristen totally has that memorized. So so vitamin D is really important. I also like to do a homocysteine, which is going to test your folate and B12 status. And if you have a high homocysteine, so usually above seven um, or higher, then that's an indication that you're not uh, getting enough folate or B12 or 
you're not processing it very well or you're not taking the right form of folate or B12. So if you're taking too much folic acid, that can actually increase your homocysteine and um, mask a deficiency, which is really interesting. So that's a whole nother topic. But um, as far as functional lab testing goes, uh, we are large proponents of GI map stool analysis. And so we like to do a stool analysis because everything stems from the gut and gut health is really, really everything. And so if you're even having systemic symptoms and you're not having any GI issues, um, we still, especially if you're struggling with infertility or multiple miscarriages and things like that, we like to see what's going on in the gut because usually we end up finding something and um, that is just a cause of like this low grade inflammation. And especially with women with endometriosis, the, the newest research that's coming out is actually showing that endometriosis is um, being, the severity of endometriosis is often a, a being caused by uh, dysbiosis in the gut. And so if you can fix that, then you can really fix, you know, the symptoms of endometriosis and limit the severity of the disease. Yeah. Yeah. I have a personal client story about that, actually. Like I started working with someone and at the time I did, I wasn't doing functional lab testing in my practice. Obviously we are now, um, but it was really interesting. I referred her for a stool analysis and it came back and it was just like crazy amounts of overgrowths and dysbiotic bacteria and just a whole bunch of things going on in her gut. When we started addressing that though, it was, she found it difficult to tell like how much of her pain and bloating was actually from endometriosis versus what was from her gut. And when a lot of that started to resolve, she was like, you know, I actually think that a lot of that was GI pain and just because of the proximity in the body and how interconnected those systems mm. are, it can be difficult to tell where that pain and discomfort and bloating is actually coming from sometimes. Um, but there's even new research to show that like antibiotics are potentially effective, especially in IVF settings. Intrauterine antibiotic therapy has been shown to improve outcomes for, I mean, these are small, like kind of case study clinical type things that they're looking at in the research, but it's very, it's very interesting to see that pointing toward dysbiosis, even in the uterine environment, which can stem from dysbiosis in the gut. So looking at the at gut health is, is very central to what we do for endo and for anything else. Anything that has anything to do with the immune system is like gut health 100% all the way. And then we pair that with food sensitivity testing because consuming foods that you're sensitive to is a major disruptor to gut health. And so when we pair those two tests together and we address the findings from those labs together, we can make a lot of progress with clients in about a three-month period. Most of our protocols to address food sensitivities and gut health from those two tests are about 12 weeks long. And most people feel wow. significantly better after that time frame. So lots of progress can be made in a short period of time. So are there any foods that should be avoided? So like you were saying, you have to check your food sensitivities and all of that. But are there any foods that are almost universally agreed that they are just a no-no if you're trying for a baby? I think sugar, a high sugar diet, you know, lots of added sugar is definitely something that's just not healthy. There's really no nutritional value to it. 
Um, it's very disruptive to blood sugar, which can have a big impact on inflammation, just not a healthy food. So I'd say, I mean, not like you can't ever eat anything sweet yeah. ever again, but <laughs> you know, removing highly processed, high sugar foods, um, you know, in the endo community, there's, there's good evidence that um, a lot of women, and I think this is largely related to the involvement of gut issues in endometriosis, don't respond all that well to um, gluten-containing foods um, and cow dairy. Yeah. So it's not necessarily all dairy, um, and it depends on the person, but gluten and dairy are commonly reactive, both of them. In, in cases where you're reactive to gluten, you're often reactive to dairy. There's a cross-reactivity issue. Um, and that, I think, is, is going to be more of like a trial and error elimination. So I just recommend if you're experiencing any type of chronic health issue, try a Whole30. You know, if you have a lot of symptoms, maybe you want to go and like do an AIP type of diet, but just give yourself the opportunity to eliminate those foods for about 30 days and add them back and, and see how you feel. So food mm -hmm. sensitivities and then kind of playing around with gluten, dairy and sugar. I would say those are the first three culprits I would look at, not necessarily for all women that are trying to conceive, but especially in the chronic illness community. Those are the three that I would say, like, start there. Yeah. Kristen, yeah. you're a genius because you just answered my next question. No. <laughs> to ask. <laughs> so um, I'm sure there'll be some women who, despite trying everything, so doing functional testing, nutrition, all of that, they still need assisted um, reproductive technology. So how do you support women in this situation? How do you advise them in case they still need that? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a large percentage of women dealing with infertility that have blocked tubes or, you know, there's some anatomy uh, dysfunction that's happening in their partner. And so there's a lot of reasons why you're going to have to use assisted reproductive technology. Same sex couples, they go through IUIs. Um, so absolutely. I, it, I think it's it's imperative to work with an integrative practitioner or somebody who knows about functional medicine when you are going through assisted reproductive technology, A, because it is just so expensive and you want it to be effective the first time around. And unfortunately, um, reproductive endocrinologists, they have one goal and that's to get you pregnant. And it's, it's not to optimize your lifestyle. It's not to make sure that you know, that your, your lifestyle and your diet and everything is on point before you get pregnant. They're not necessarily looking out for the health outcome of your baby long-term. They just want to get you pregnant. Um, which makes sense. That's what you're going to them for. But, uh, there's been a lot of success stories when you're working with an integrated practitioner to be able to prep your body before you go into the uh, either the IUI, but it's especially if you're doing IVF for egg retrieval, because egg retrieval, not only extremely time consuming and stressful and expensive, but if you're, if you don't get enough eggs um, in that egg retrieval, your chances of actually coming at home with a baby is pretty low. I mean, the stat, we had a whole episode on the stats of IVF and it's heartbreaking. You know, it's, it's just really uh, hard to walk away with a successful IVF um, egg retrieval mo for most women. So, um, and it, it, there's a lot of evidence in the research that shows that you can do certain supplementation, lifestyle changes, diet, organic 
you know, choosing organic. And that really helps with egg quality and it helps your chances of walking away with with some embryos, with some, you know, an, an actual successful transfer at the end of all that. I, I would just like to know if there's anything from your perspective that you would encourage people to do while going through IVF. Like, are there any tips or, you know, ideas or what people can do apart from... Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, 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 I would say my most favorite resource is Rebecca Fett's book, It Starts With the Egg especially if you're going through IVF um, and especially if you're over the age of 35 and going through IVF, it starts with an egg. Uh, she does a lot of research on certain supplementation that is shown to improve egg quality and improve your chances of a successful cycle. And so things like DHEA, melatonin, vitamin C, vitamin E. She talks about diet. She talks about male fertility, which is really important too. And uh, it's really helpful. And she has a really active Facebook group too, um, where you can hop on and commiserate with other women that are going through the same thing. And there's a lot of success stories on that Facebook group. So I just sent one of my patients to that group today. And, um, and you know, she, unfortunately, she didn't have as great of a success story with her first cycle of IVF. But there was also still a lot of things that we weren't able to do before she started her cycle. So I have a lot of hope that I feel like there's some room for improvement and that she can go again and, and do it. But I, I referred her to the book and uh, told her, you know, let's get working on, on some certain things to help her immune system and her egg quality. And I um, encouraged her to try again. So, so what can we do for ourselves and make sure that we're still healthy? post-pregnancy so you know as you mean everything goes fine and we get pregnant what what are the hacks what are the what's the advice for that keep going with everything that you were doing beforehand you mm -hmm. know i i think that's something that i see a lot which is just like in in facebook groups and infertility groups it's like well, yeah, I mean, some of this dietary stuff is restrictive and like, yeah, you have to eliminate some of these toxins or whatever, but you just have to do it till you get a positive test. It's like, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> the, the reality is that the same things that support the same dietary strategies, the same lifestyle strategies that help you get pregnant are the same things that help you stay pregnant. And they're the same things that help keep you healthy all the way through breastfeeding and, you know, bringing that child into the world and, and getting them off on the path toward health. And um, so, you know, a nutrient dense diet is, is super important all the way through pregnancy. You don't mm -hmm. necessarily have to like, you know, stay on like a strict elimination diet. I don't necessarily even think that that's healthy. Not only is it stressful, but you're going to be dealing with food aversions while you're pregnant and, you know, putting yourself under all of this pressure to eat exactly perfect. I don't think that's necessary, especially if you've prepared yourself well beforehand. Yeah. You've built up your nutrient status. You've done a good job of like getting in the right supplements. You don't necessarily have to be, you know, crazy strict. Um, in terms of diet, Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. Um, she's a registered dietitian and absolutely up on all of the research about preconception, prenatal nutrition, postpartum recovery. Um, she, her book is just an incredible resource. We've had her on our podcast before and plan to have her back probably several more times in the future because she's so knowledgeable, but you know, it's, it's adding in the most nutrient dense foods, not beating yourself up. If you eat something that like maybe isn't tremendously healthy, giving yourself grace, especially in the beginning when you're pregnant and just recognizing that, 
your routine is going to be thrown off. You have a lot that's changing in your body and a lot that's going on. You may be dealing with morning sickness. Some women deal with that through the whole pregnancy. Um, But yeah, just making sure like some of the environmental toxins, you know, that you're just being mindful of what's going in your body, what's being put on your skin, you know, what's going on in, in your external environment, what you're using to clean. Those types of things have a big impact on baby's development and your health and hormone balance as well. So, you know, diet, lifestyle, movement, sleep. Oh my God, I didn't mention yeah. sleep yet. But <laughs> making sure that you're sleeping and that can be harder, especially in late pregnancy. So oh, yeah. a really good job of that earlier on in pregnancy. Super important, like minimum seven hours, guys. Like I know it's hard. You have busy lives. Like sleep is the first thing we sacrifice when we have a massive to-do list during the day, but it's just not optional. Right. And, um, it's even if you think that you do fine on less than that, the science proves you wrong and says, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're operating uh, at as high. It will catch up to you. It will catch up yeah. to you. Um, so definitely. And you know, we have, we definitely have some resources some blogs and, and a podcast episode all about sleep. So if that's an area that um, you guys are struggling yeah. with, check that out. But with, with sleep, one thing I like to tell my patients is that it's the time that your body's uh, packaging up toxins and waste and getting, getting them out of your body. And so it needs a minimum of seven hours to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, and it's also processing your memories and like your, your neural uh, connections in your brain. And so um, that's one of the reasons if you don't get enough sleep, it's a risk factor for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, I think, especially when you're pregnant, it's so important because it's the time that you're actually excreting that waste instead of exposing it to your growing baby. Yeah. So if you don't get enough sleep, it's just going to be, there's more and more stuff that can be floating around your bloodstream and being stored in fat tissue that your baby eventually will get exposed to. Yeah. So good motivation there. (laughs) Another thing that I I wanted to say about, um, one misconception that happens a lot is that especially women try start struggling to conceive or are on a supplement regimen. Um, once they get pregnant, they stop everything. And it's like, Whoa, wait a minute. That's like the, that's the time that you need to be taking these supplements. Like you're, you're pregnant and your baby needs these uh, nutrients. And so just making sure, you know, things like er- herbs, like um, Vitex or, herbal tinctures and things like that, of course, you'll want to stop those. Um, Things that were helping you get pregnant, like maybe DHEA or melatonin or something like that, you'll want to stop those. But when it comes to your basic nutrients like fish oil and choline and your prenatal, obviously you'll continue that, um, probiotics, things like that, you'll want to continue taking those when you find out you're pregnant. So let's talk exercise. When you're pregnant, it's good to, you know, keep your body moving. But when you get pregnant, are there some kinds of exercise that you are a no-no? Or, you know, what are the what, what's your advice about exercise? Yeah, I think with exercise, a lot of it has to do what you can and should be doing during pregnancy has a lot to do with what you were capable of doing before, like what your fitness level was before. You should never start anything super strenuous after you get pregnant um, if it's not something that you were doing before. So I'm kind of, I'm chuckling because your body will let you know. Yeah. When you're pregnant, trust me, like you will know how much you can do and then you'll collapse. So, um, (laughs) 
yeah, you're, you, that little baby in there, that little nugget, it's taken up a lot of energy and it leaves very little for you. Uh, so just walking and gentle yoga and I mean, doing what you can, right? Um, if your fitness level was pretty high before and you were a runner, I've seen plenty of women out there running and they're in their like second trimester, even third trimester. It's like crazy. I don't know how their bladder handled that, but so it's very individualized, but it's also very intuitive. Like just don't exhaust yourself, right? Yeah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't ever force yourself to do anything that's going to make you feel like crap later for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, you know, respecting your own body's limitations, doing things that are supportive of muscles that you need to have a healthy birth is great. Like squatting type exercises Mm -hmm. are great. Things that help strengthen the pelvic floor, little bits of resistance training, like even just doing body weight stuff like yoga, like Haley mentioned is great. Um, but definitely like not taking on a strenuous training program. This certainly isn't the time to be like losing weight. So, you know, if you were concerned about weight or, or BMI, or you're working with a fertility clinic and they told you that you need to lose weight before you got pregnant, pregnancy isn't the time to be like focusing on weight loss. That just isn't safe. Um, so using movement as a supportive strategy to, um, keep up your fitness level to reduce stress to you know challenge your body in a supportive way as opposed to an exhausting way. So, is there anything we can do pre or during pregnancy to prevent um, developmental disorders like autism? Yes, everything that we just mentioned. <laughs> okay, good. So just do everything. Um, I I would say the number one thing that I'm seeing in the research now is the folic acid and folate. So definitely not folic acid. Definitely not. Definitely not. And making sure that you're getting enough methylated folate. Some women need more. And the last thing with folate is if you are taking a lot, let's say your doctor told you to be on like five milligrams or something like that. Um, again, make sure it's methylated and then you'll want to just bring that back down under one milligram or around like 800 micrograms after your first trimester. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of other things, um, we (laughs) keep bringing it back to all these things that we've written on this topic, but, um, we have a blog on like, I think it's, was it eight steps now, um, to reduce the risk of autism. So there are a lot of things like there are certain exposures, like limiting exposure to pesticides is a great example. Like, and that's not just from food, but definitely, you know, from food, but also like occupational exposure or like just being aware of like what's being sprayed at parks and green spaces near your house. Like don't use that kind of stuff around your own home or in your yard. Um, Another big thing that's really emerging in the research is gut health, bringing it back to gut health, because autism, I think we've had a fundamental kind of misunderstanding of what this disorder really entails. But the central kind of the central theme of autism is actually immune system dysfunction. And so the development and the priming of your baby's immune system really happens partly during birth. Um, And that's your baby going through, hopefully, if you're able to have a natural birth, um, going through the vaginal canal and their whole system is being inoculated with hopefully beneficial bacteria. And so dysbiosis or an imbalance in gut bacteria in mom prior to pregnancy, and of course during pregnancy, that's a risk factor for autism because your baby's immune system is going to develop based on that. And um, you want to just make sure that that environment is as healthy as possible. So preconception 
getting your gut health, you know, in good working order. This is particularly important in the chronic illness community. Yeah. Very. Anything, anything autoimmune, um, endometriosis, even PCOS has an inflammation and immune system component. So all of these chronic conditions, I would say the first and best advice I have is to work with someone who's qualified to give you an accurate assessment and a healing protocol for your gut, because I can guarantee you if you're in this community, you need it. Yeah. Definitely, we do. Thank you for that. It's interesting because many of us know already, and that's what I'm trying. That's one of the things I'm trying to share and raise awareness about. That sometimes you mentioned something earlier that you know one of your patients she wasn't even sure if it was endometriosis pain or you know pain from gut issues, and that's what many of us experience. So mm-hmm. kind of like a whole body thing. So the more you care for your gut, you're also going to care. It would basically filter through to your baby and your fertility and all of that so it's really really important so now let's talk about male fertility (laughs) the pressure is on us women because you know we're the carriers of the baby and um a lot of men don't even realize that they also must make the right choices regarding their health for fertility (laughs) so what do we say to the husbands and the partners and I think was the most important thing is just to let them know when they understand this is that they're 50% of the DNA, yeah. right? And and we're finding out a lot of uh, a lot of the implications on either difficulty getting pregnant, recurrent miscarriages, and um, issues with autism and neuro- other neurological disorders and obesity, childhood obesity, and heart disease, like all that is really coming back to epigenetics and the DNA. And uh, there is research now that has shown that men over the age of 45 increases the risk of autism by six times. Wow. And, uh, and, and older men are also contributing to gestational diabetes in women. Like, who knew that? Like, that, you would just never think that, like, of course, women's just going to blame it on them. They would never think their partner, like, contributed to their risk of getting gestational diabetes, but they do. And the reason why is because their DNA is, is uh, Dr. Ben Lynch in our last uh, episode explained it pretty well, but the DNA is programmed and it has, it's methylated and it has all, all of its programs there um, for both mom and dad. And then when it comes together, um, those programs kind of communicate with each other and they're like, okay, the environment over at dad is like this. And then the environment at mom is like this. And so we need to make sure that we have the best uh, metabolic makeup to uh, survive this environment that we're going into, right? And so then it comes together and then it's like, okay, we need to like hold on to nutrients, which is childhood obesity. Uh, We need to make sure that, you know, something with neurological development and immune system development and gut health and all that, dad contributes to that. So Somehow, some way, we need to get the word out to these guys that yeah. they need to be taking folate. They need to be taking vitamin D. They need to stop smoking. They need to freaking change their diet because it matters. Yeah. I think it's a it's an education gap. You know, we just don't think of, and we have historically never really thought of men as important in this in this equation. And it's really, I feel like not until the last couple of decades where we've really started to do a lot of research on how sperm quality impacts the whole equation, not just from a fertility perspective, but from the health of a pregnancy. Like Haley was mentioning, risk for gestational diabetes. Like, yeah. come on, who, who, yeah, what man would think that yeah. they could contribute to their partner getting gestational diabetes during pregnancy? 
long after their job is done, you know, yeah. in, in creating the child. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's really an education gap and in, in helping them understand. And so I think podcasts, episodes like this are a great thing um, for men to listen to. There's lots of books out there now that are focusing on male fertility. We've had a couple of um, authors on our podcast about that have written books specifically for men. I think they're, men are a little more resistant to like going to the doctor and having in-depth conversations about their diet, their lifestyle, their anatomy. <laughs> they're not super into to doing that. And so creating some of these more like DIY resources where a woman could maybe say, Hey, I really need you to read this. Like, this is important to me. I really need you to read this and letting them take responsibility for receiving that education and turning that into action. But I think education is the main piece. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I know that a lot of male partners just feel like they have nothing. They don't know what to do to support you. Right. They, yeah. they're empathizing with you. Like they know that you have to go to the doctor and you know, get these gyne exams and like all these things and shots. And man, it's probably really heartbreaking for them to just have to see you go through all that. So if they know that there's something that they can do to help, um, they might be really, really open to that. They just need to know what to do. And I think just like Kristen said, offering them a book to read that's specific to them, like Lauren um, Manneker's book uh, on male fertility would be a great start where they can, you could just hand them the book and hopefully they'll be supportive enough to read through it, understand what their role is. And, and then maybe they'll feel better knowing that they're doing something to contribute positively to the whole experience. Well, we just encourage partners to go through the process together. It's like, okay, you know, women shouldn't be the only one that has to like make dietary changes and make some lifestyle adjustments. To me, I think it makes it easier to just like have both partners on board. They're eating yeah. the same thing. They're focusing exactly. on the same things. They're supporting yeah. one another through the same changes. That's yeah. easier to me than just having one partner on board. So can you tell us about Tiny Feet? And I love the name, by the way. So cute. <laughs> Yeah, I think my daughter was like three months old when I was looking at her, you know, her tiny feet. And I was like, these are just like the best things ever. Like this is this makes it all worth it. Yeah, the cute little tiny feet. <laughs> <laughs> so we we started the company with um, a fertility assessment. And this was like kind of our, our flagship thing. It was actually Haley's idea that you had like even back in medical school. Mm -hmm. And the idea was to give couples an online resource where they could basically go and answer a questionnaire and have an algorithm that spits them out kind of a personalized preconception action plan based on how, like, what does their health look like today? What is their diet like today? Are they missing out on certain nutrients based on the foods that they're eating or not eating? Are there certain environmental exposures that we need to limit? And so that was kind of the first thing that we developed together. And that was an incredible amount of research. We spent months working on that. Um, and basically what it gives you is a readout of risk factors. So things that not necessarily will even prevent you from getting pregnant, but just things that may affect your fertility or that can have an impact on your growing child and their long-term health. And so we wrote up um, all of the educational information about those risk, risk factors, and then we distilled that down into a list of action items. So we said, okay, based on the symptoms that you are experiencing, here are some of the appointments or lab tests you'd want to discuss with your doctor. Based on your diet, here are some of the nutrients that you're missing out on. You know, make these dietary tweaks and consider these supplements. Here are some of the exposures that you might be getting that aren't ideal. And here are some practical action steps to remediate those, to reduce those um, and lower your risk of any potential harm. 
And um, so all of that is kind of distilled down into like a score and a list of factors and recommendations. And so that's kind of the first thing. Like if you really just want like a DIY resource and you just want to know like how to optimize your health for preconception, we address things in there like PCOS and endometriosis. We have integrative therapy recommendations more than you would just get from, you know, your conventional doctor or, you know, reading a blog post online. Uh, but everything is evidence-based. Everything's based on research. We, you know, cite it. And you can even print out these action plans and bring them to your doctor and say, hey, you know, I, I took this quiz. Here's all the research that they gave me to support why I need XYZ test or why I might want to consider a medication for this or that. Um, so that's one option for working with us. We, uh, we also have one-on-one -on -one consult options. Um, so we do a free 20-minute consult for people that kind of want to dip their toe in the water, maybe just ask us some questions and see based on their specific situation what we might recommend in terms of like what lab tests they might want to consider, um, whether those are whether that's blood work that we say, hey, go to your doctor and get some of these tests. So it's like all covered by insurance. And then there's the functional labs that we offer. And so we ship to most states in the US um, with the exception of a few that don't offer direct access lab testing like New York and Rhode Island. And there might be one or two others. It's all on our website. And so we can ship the kits almost anywhere in the US for a GI map stool analysis, an MRT food sensitivity blood draw, a Dutch test, um, which stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. And that's a functional readout of your sex hormones, your cortisol, neurotransmitters, methylation pathways, lots of really cool information there. Um, and then the last test that we offer through our site is MaxGen um, Labs, and that's a genetic SNP testing option. So those are the four labs that we have. And um, we like to do the MaxGen and the Dutch together and the GI map and the MRT together. So we have two different package options where you can get those tests together. Um, and then you get two hours worth of consult time. So 90 minute initial lab review and a protocol and then a follow up um, between four and eight weeks later, depending on what your protocol is looking like. So. Um, and then we'll even just do consulting. Like if people have already had other labs done and they just want us to review um, what they've already had done, we offer one-on-one -on -one consults for that as well. Um, but we usually like to start with that 20-minute consult just so we can steer somebody in the right direction and just make sure that they're doing for their money, that they're maximizing what they're getting and that it's, it's unique to them. Mm -hmm. And then Haley, why don't you tell them about <laughs> our most exciting new development that's coming out at the end of the summer? Yeah, we are creating a new course um, called Fertile in Five Masterclass. Really excited about this. It is meant specifically to be a preconception care and, and like boosting fertility in five steps uh, type of course. And so we're really focusing on uh, exactly what to talk to your doctor about, um, all the things that you want to cover, such as lab testing and and genetic testing and things like that. Uh, we also go through a comprehensive diet protocol um, for boosting fertility and then also throughout pregnancy. Uh, we also have the how to choose your best prenatal supplements. And so that's part of the course as well as lifestyle. And so we talk about exercise that we talked about today on the podcast and then also um, how stress can be affecting your fertility and just really simple strategies to be able to mitigate that or solve that issue and then uh, environmental exposures. And so it's super comprehensive. It's gonna be 
you know, video based. You guys can kind of just walk through it um, at your own pace. And then there's going to be a lot of handouts and um, things that you can refer back to. So it's in the works right now. We're super excited about it. And um, we'll We'll send you a link once once it's ready to go. We are planning right now for like a mid-September launch. Most of the content is completed, but we really just want to make sure that this is, um, that it's intuitive and that it walks you through everything in a way that's easy to understand, that's approachable. And so, you know, kind of organizing all that content and making sure that we have all the resources to, to make it really step-by-step and really comprehensive for you guys. That's, that's what we're going to spend the summer working on and, and have it out in the fall. Thank you for coming on the show. I've learned so much and I know our listeners will learn as well. So thank you both for coming <laughs> yeah. on the show. Is there any other final thing you want to say? Um, I would just say that, you know, we get it. We understand that this journey isn't easy for everybody, um, but there is hope for you. And you just need to learn to advocate for yourself, you know, find the right people to work with people that understand your situation that are willing to investigate with you and find the right solutions. That's based on like individualized care. You know, Mm -hmm. this isn't just about getting pregnant. It's about staying pregnant. It's about having a healthy baby and it's about being healthy enough to take on the challenge of starting a family because this is, this is a trying time in life as exciting and hopeful and amazing as it is to think about raising a kid. Those of us who have spent years chronically ill, um, it's also daunting. And, you know, being able to make sure that your health is in good shape for that is just as important as making sure that you can finally see that positive on a pregnancy test. So, you know, that's kind of what we're all about. And I just want to encourage all of you women out there to prioritize yourselves and, you know, to believe that you deserve to feel well and that it's possible for you to feel well. And you just need the right support to get there. And I would also like to add that if you have been diagnosed with a chronic illness, such as endometriosis or PCOS or whatever it is, uh, it's not a label. You know, you're, it's, it's not something that you have to live with forever. It's literally just a condition that your body is leaning towards and is susceptible to. And it, there's many things that you can do to help either eliminate that altogether, um, even though the conventional medical world says that you can't. um, That's just not the case. That's not true. Um, Or extremely minimize uh, its impact on your life. Uh, It's absolutely possible. So I I just don't want you to feel like, oh, I have this label and and it's going to be with me the rest of my life and there's not much I could do about it. It's just not true. I have had a lovely time with Haley and Christine today. The more I hear from professionals, the more I realize how interconnected all our body systems are. When you take care of one, you take care of all. So what have we learned today? Functional testing is very important. In order to understand what nutrients we are lacking and what the right amount of nutrients are that we should be taking. Your gut health is very important when trying for a baby. A lot of endometriosis sufferers have gut dysbiosis and this has to be dealt with. Too much folic acid can mask deficiencies, so we should make sure we take folate and vitamin B12 in the right forms. A lot of women, especially those with endo, are deficient in vitamin D, so make sure to supplement if you are lacking this vitamin. 
Research has shown that intrauterine antibiotic therapy has been shown to improve outcomes for IVF procedures. Keep doing all the healthy things you are doing, even after you get the positive result. Sleep is very important during pregnancy. Make sure you get a minimum of 7 hours. Male fertility is also very important. We now know that older men are contributing to gestational diabetes in pregnant women. So it is important that our partners also take their health seriously. Today's episode has been very inspirational and insightful. And I hope you ladies have learned a lot just like I have. If you want to reach Dr. Haley and Christine, go on their website www.tinyfeet.co On there, you can also take the quiz Are you healthy enough to get pregnant? And follow the steps to a healthy life in preparation for a healthy baby. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to know. Join me on Instagram, not defined by endo, and also on Facebook. You can also join our community on Health Unlocked and ask any questions or share your stories. Don't forget to share, rate and subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, I am Teniola Oguru and remember, you are not defined by endo.